Wolf and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. It is over. Suns win. And they stay there. And they stay there. And they stay there. Here we go. It just feels so good. You know, we just dropped game one, so I just wanted to come out and respond. Can't never count me out. Y'all better count me in. Got 20 bank accounts. Accountants count me in. Make millions every year. The South champion. Because all I do, all I, all I, all I, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. There it is, Luke. You know you want it. You called for it, Luke. Here we go, Sarah. Booker fans. And they stay there. I don't think I ever totally knew the how to do the hand motion. As a team, we get some great competition. With the up down until I started doing the show with you to this song. Somehow you do these like the sideways hand waving during this song. Yes, you gotta do it, Luke. I mean, have you been to a concert? Have you ever been to a concert? You gotta be able to do it. Been to one this week. <laughs> Man, what a great win for the Phoenix Suns. Sorry, I'm jacked up about it. I know there's some people out there wanted to see him blow out the Clippers by 40. Um, that was never going to be the case, in my opinion. Uh, maybe 20, but never 40. And yet the Phoenix Suns took care of business last night. How do you feel about 14? Nice 14-point win. Nice uh, second straight game where they just kind of took over in the middle of the game. Now you could say second straight game where they dug themselves a hole in the first quarter and had to take over. But I would I would just classify last night's win as just a fun and much needed win. But the way it came about with Devin Booker just taking over and yeah. hitting that shot at the end of the first half and then just going crazy in the third quarter. If you're a Suns fan and you were you were sick, obviously, of losing, they dropped five or six playoff games in a row and they were down early in this one. That was about the most cathartic way to come back and win a game. Yeah, um, this was no easy win by the Phoenix Suns. This, this did not feel... Like a 14-point win, did it? It no. got that way at the end of the game. The last half of the fourth quarter, it got that way. And the moments where it felt like they were really up, they were up like five. <laughs> like you're like, oh, the Suns have taken over. Yes. And you look up and you're Two like... possession game. Yeah, all of a sudden it's five or six again. And Russell Westbrook's, you know, Russell Westbrook had a pretty good game. But it doesn't matter right now. Wolf, one and one in the series. And... I can't help but think maybe there was a turning point 
in the series last night. I, I, I've I've long held the belief that once the Suns team would win a playoff game and get going, that they're going to start to hit another level. I'm not saying the series is over. You and I both said yesterday going into the game, we still thought the Suns were going to win the series. Had they lost last night, I think that was very much in jeopardy. But now it's a best of five, and I, the Suns are still the better team. Yeah, no, they are the better team. They have uh, more talent, of course, than the Clippers, Ron Wolfley reporting. And talent in the end, especially in a seven-game series, typically wins out. Toughness, I think, is what the Clippers, the Clippers are banking on. I think it's what the Clippers are hoping. Their toughness is somehow, some way, going to prolong this series to give them a chance to somehow win in the end. And yet, that may be a good strategy, and I think it's their only strategy. Because, again, they can't out-talent the Phoenix Suns. They can't do it. But, man... This was a contested game throughout, and I think it's going to continue to be a contested series. I think the Suns win the series. We've been pretty confident about this, I would say, and pretty consistent in regard to saying that. I think we all feel that way, but you could see this is this is going to be a bloodbath. This is going to be contested. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard just continues to... Not that he disappears, but you know, first half, you know, he's he's deferring. He has a few points here or there, but he's gonna get his thirty points. He had thirty one last night. The Clippers, the way they are constructed right now, it almost feels like they're gonna set the bar to a certain level, and whatever that is. And you're my a a minus basketball, B plus basketball, or whatever. And if you don't clear that, if you're inconsistent and you have an off night, you're gonna lose to the Clippers the way they're, they're currently set up. But if you have a superhero performance like you did from Devin Booker last night, you're going to be able to beat them because late in that game, it was pretty clear that they have Kawhi. Russ was playing out of his mind offensively last night. I don't think you can count on that from him consistently, but they, they don't really have a third option they can turn to. Whereas, and we'll get into this, you know, the Suns, Chris Paul, in big moments last night was big. DeAndre Ayton yeah. in the second quarter I thought yes. was big. You know KD's going to give you minimum 25, and then Devin Booker just went off. Yeah, this is one of the big things I'm encouraged about for the Suns in this game. Game 2, of course, based on earnings. If you have watched it, at some point in time, the core four, all four of them, kind of took over this game. Yeah, all four of them. D.A. was keeping them in the game in the first half. They were down by 13 in the first half. Yeah. We forget this. They lost the first quarter and were down by 13 in the first half. This was The Clippers came out, and for all the talk that we had of, boy, the Suns are going to come out, and their intensity level is going to be really, really high because it has to be high because in game one, it wasn't. And guess what happened? They came out, and they lost the first quarter 30-18. to 18. The Clippers set the tone. Well, guess what? The exact same thing happened. The Clippers were in control in the first half. At some point, though, D.A. kept them alive in that first half with 12 points. Had a great first half. This is uh, two games now in the series that one of the most encouraging things to me is game one, I know they lost the game, but they were in a lot of trouble in the first quarter and KD went off in the second quarter and they came back and took the lead. And I know they lost, but whatever. There, there was some pushback in that game. Same thing last night. Like you just said, they were on the verge of getting run off the court last night. And it was, it was just, it's not like the Clippers were doing anything fantastic, but it was like, okay, now the lead's eight. Now it's 10. Now it's 12. Now it's 13. Like, it was just slowly building. And then DA, I thought, was huge in the second. And then and Booker took over. But this is the second straight game where last year in the playoffs in that Mavericks series, when they would get down by 13 in the first half, the game was just over. Yeah. Nobody stepped up. 
KD stepped up in game one. I do think DA, to a certain extent, stepped up last night, and then obviously Booker really stepped up. Yeah. You have to have that bridge guy yeah. because we Booker could have stepped up last year in the second half of those games against Dallas, but they were down by 35, so it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, and also, too, you, you look at it again. I, I was talking about the core four, and at some points they took over. I, no doubt, DA in that first half, his 12 points were massive, but KD as well. KD has scored, what, 16, mm-hmm. I think, in the first half. KD was huge, I thought, in that second quarter and so demoralizing to the Clippers because we were talking about Bick, with Bick and Amarada about this. We were talking about how demoralizing it was to guard KD, be up in his grill, and he's just draining. He's just, he, he, there's nothing you, can, you do. can do to stop it. Even if you're Kawhi Leonard, there's nothing you can do when he's hitting the shot. Yes. And then Book, of course, hit that big three right at the half, tied the game up 59 59, going in, and then we all know what happened in that third quarter. Devin Booker took over the game scored 18. And guess what? You can also look at Chris Paul in the clutch base and onions. Go look at it. The last five minutes, the plays he made really allowed the Suns to pull away from the Clippers at that point in time. The core four at some point in the game basically took over the game. I love that. To get to halftime tied at 59 you know, it, it, typically, if you're the road team, if you're the Clippers, if you had said at the start of the series, hey, you're going to be up 1-0 in the series and you're going to be tied at halftime in the second game, it, they would obviously take that. Uh, but even last night going in, I think if you told them you're tied at halftime, it, but the way it got tied, it, it felt like the Suns were up 8 at that point. The way the way they just came storming back where it was like, okay, they're going to hang around, they're going to be in this game, you know, get in the, in the locker room at halftime and regroup for a little bit, and then all of a sudden it's just tied with that Booker shot. And then they, the, the best thing was they, they followed it up uh, to, to start the, the second half the same way. And Booker, I mean, you can point to five different turning points in this game, and most of them somehow involved Devin Booker. Yeah, that that last shot by Devin Booker to tie it up before the half, that was legendary. Register to win tickets to see the Foo Fighters October 3rd at Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater. Just head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for com- uh, event details and your chance to win. When we come back, Kellen Olsen's going to join us. What were his biggest takeaways from the Suns? Game 2 victory over L.A.? We'll ask our own Phoenix Suns guru. Next, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I just see you out there, Kellen. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports. Our son's mega mind. Kellen Olsen joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, Suns get the win last night, 123-109. Series even at one apiece, heading to Game 3 in L.A. tomorrow. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. You can read his stuff on Arizona Sports always, but you can specifically read his story about Devin Booker reviving the Suns last night. Kellen Olson joining us. Kellen, what's going on? What's up? Thanks for having me. Why are you up this early? <laughs> I, figured you, I figured you'd be like waking up at like 1. What happened? Well, you guys didn't get home at 2 a.m. like me? I'd, no, oh, not goodness. quite. <laughs> What's... We're fine. It's that time of year. Glad to be here. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's start with uh, the obvious. Devin Booker. Somebody had to take over in that game. Uh, I think it's it's uh, even more impactful because it was Booker. You know, if KD had done it, obviously we would take it. But because it's the guy that's been here forever, uh, it just seemed to give this team an extra jolt. It certainly gave the crowd a jolt. What uh, what stood out to you from that run, specifically in the second and third? 
Yeah, just how hot their offense got, right? I, I don't know if this is exactly what I pictured when it came to just like the capabilities and the ceiling that this team had with these four guys specifically. But I think if you look at what, what occurred, I mean, 67.5% is what they shot in the middle quarters. They just got absolutely white hot as an offense, and a lot of it had to do with what Devin Booker did. And it, it was just a lot of having multiple options, spacing, and playing with a little bit of pace. It just seemed like they finally found what they were looking for offensively. And I think the biggest question is, how much of that is going to translate directly to Game 3 and Game 4? Is this, an, is this one of those things where the Suns kind of figure some things out and they're going to be able to take us into the rest of the series, or was it just one of those occasions where they got white-hot offensively? I'm, I'm not really sure, and that's why I'm really fascinated by Game 3. So who do you think was the unsung hero if you had to pick one guy? Oh, man, that's a, that's a tough one, Wolf. I, I would say Torrey Craig. Uh, Chris Paul said it last night. His five threes that Craig hit, all five of them were timely. I think in the mm-hmm. second quarter, during that run where the Suns scored on 10 of their last 11 possessions to end the first half, he hit two threes during that stretch. And then in the third quarter, when the Clippers were getting back to within four or five, Craig hit two different threes at two different stretches. And then he hit another one in the fourth that was under similar cir- circumstances when the Clippers were again kind of getting back within the game. He was he was hitting really timely shots. I think the rhythm of finding him open in that corner was just a lot more natural. I think that what we were seeing in game one was just the Suns not really getting into their kind of clean looks that we're used to seeing off of ball movement. I think that all five of Torrey's threes were just a, a direct product of the Suns getting into their sets a little bit easier. And I just really thought that the offensive process, especially from the mid-second quarter on, was, was miles better compared to what we were seeing before that. Talking to Kellen Olsen, uh, Kellen, again, six players played off the bench, but three of them barely played at all. So it was essentially like an eight-man rotation. And, I, and you know, look, nothing has to be final from one game to the next, but kind of going back to what you were saying uh, earlier, do you think Monty Williams maybe has a better grasp of who he wants to use in the series now going forward? Well, guys, he needs to have one because Kevin Durant and Den Booker cannot average 45 minutes a game in the playoffs. That is not sustainable, to say the least. Uh, Booker got two minutes and 31 seconds of rest in the second quarter, and that was it. And he was just the, the amount of energy that he was still able to utilize a couple of minutes left in that game. Like, he just had so much saved up, and he's in incredible shape. But with that being said, they've got to not only figure out who their guys are, but give those two guys a little bit more of a break. I think that the thing that it seemed like, I don't know if this was a direct adjustment with the way the game was going or not, but one of the first adjustments was that Kevin Durant played the entire first quarter. And then coming out of the second quarter or coming out of that break, it was like, okay, who's the ninth guy? Who's KD going to come out for? Okay, there's TJ Warren, Wade, Devin Booker's coming back on the floor again. Is he supposed to rest after playing a full quarter? And that, that was one of those things where – they they just need to find breaks for those guys. That they just need to. They cannot rely on them both to play that heavy of minutes. And look, if it relies on the bench a little bit too much, that's where you would hope the return of campaign would ease the relief for those two guys. And it's not the same minute total. But Chris Paul thirty eight and thirty nine feels a little bit too high as well. Um, that's not to say that the decision to play those minutes were incorrect for those two because they needed to win one of these games. And with the way it was going, it wasn't going to work any other way. But they've got to find another solution at the same time, or else this is just not going to be sustainable for the championship run that everyone expects this team to go on. Killer, how did you think DeAndre Ayton played? 
Oh, man, I thought it was one of those DeAndre games where we would need an entire segment to talk about the way that DeAndre played to really hit on everything here, but I'll try my best here in whatever it is, 60, 90 seconds, right? I thought that the mid-range buckets that he hit in the early second quarter, mid, mid-second quarter, were really important because they weren't just getting, they were getting consistent offense from nowhere. And for them to just get three or four middies from him when, it, when that shot was falling for him uh, was big. I, I don't know what was going on defensively, guys, but they were giving up way too many layups at the rim and the dribble penetration they were giving up, but then their rim protection as well. It felt like DeAndre and Kevin both, particularly DeAndre, just weren't coming over to protect the rim. And, and I don't know why. I, I don't know what was going on. If it was a defensive coverage mishap, if it was just those guys messing up in particular, I, I don't really know. But that just can't happen. They just can't have, especially with two seven-footers on the floor, they just can't have that lacking of, of rim protection. And DeAndre was the one guy where it really stood out, and it was the main reason why the Clippers were able to keep hanging around in that game despite how nuclear the Suns got from uh, the floor offensively. So I think that defensively, it was one of those games that was worrisome about DeAndre just because it felt like he was disconnected from the game. Offensively, he was better. It was great to see him get three offensive rebounds. I think that that's the bare minimum for him in these kinds of games, to be honest. But defensively, he's going to see the tape, and the Suns are going to see the tape, and they're going to want to see a lot more. We're talking to Kellen Olsen. Uh, Kellen, I guess there's there's a few ways to, to view that game last night. You could certainly look at it and say, okay, the Suns woke up and we were waiting for this and now look out. Or you could say, if you want to be a skeptic, you could look and say, man, it took a monster effort from Devin Booker for them to win this game that, yes, was a 14-point difference, but it, it was close basically until, I don't know, midway through the fourth quarter. How do you view this? Do you think what they did last night was sustainable? I don't think shooting 67.5% over two straight quarters is sustainable, but I think that them having their offense run that way is sustainable. And what I mean by that is the decision that they've got to start making here, uh, Chris Paul was good in the fourth quarter. He, he was very good. In fact, and it was we were starting to see signs of him being himself again, but the offense looked much better with someone else running point guard. It just has to be said. It, it looked better with Devin Booker running that spot. So the decision that they've got to make going into game three is how much they want to continue to let Chris run the offense because Kevin mentioned it last night, like they had more pace. And I think Chris said the same thing uh, post-game with Al and then how the pace was better as well. So they've got to find some middle ground here in terms of getting their pace up, specifically in the half court and things like that, because when Devin was running the offense, it finally had that pace that they were looking for. And this has been not so much a problem, but just a consistent talking point with Chris specifically in the postseason, and they want to play fast, and they're and they're saying to play fast, but for whatever reason, they just don't play as quickly as they should be. And everyone, when I says that, thinks about Steve Nash running the ball up and down the floor. That's not really what we're talking about. We're just talking about getting the ball across half court within three or four seconds so you can get into your offensive sets quicker. So if it doesn't work, you've still got 13, 12 seconds left on the shot clock instead of seven or six when you've got to panic. So I, I think that pace is a huge thing that can just help them transfer a lot of this to game three but but the thing is like i thought that game was devin booker has figured them out he's cracked the code he's moving his test pieces all over the place he's just figured them out uh, tyler's gonna have more to throw at him in game three game four game five and so on like that was just round two or whatever you want to call it of, of the defenses that lou was going to throw at booker specifically so they've got to be ready for that it's not going to be the same thing on uh thursday killer as you know monty took a lot of heat after game one how'd you think he did in game two I thought he, I, I thought he did fine. I, to be honest, Wolf, where I start to get critical of coaching staffs the most is when problem areas 
persist over the course of a series. I think offensive rebounding against the Pelicans last year was one of those. But if you look at the areas that you wanted to see cleaned up and the areas that were a point of emphasis for them, I'm surely in prep leading up to this game, there was three point attempts. They only took 24 after 19 in game one. That's just not enough. You're going to lose the math there. Not nine times out of ten, but you're going to have to shoot 64% from the mid-range like they did to make up for that. Offensive rebounding was another one. They went down from 15 to 12. It's not that great of an improvement, but it still is. But the Clippers had 21 second-chance points, and a lot of them were three-pointers where the Suns know that the Clippers are getting offensive rebounding opportunities, so there's even more urgency for them to recover the shooters in those situations, and they just didn't have it in that game. And then the rotation... I mean, 45 seconds into the second quarter, Josh Okogie was already coming back in for Landry Shamit. Damian Lee had that weird three-minute stretch where it just seemed like, again, he was looking for answers and looking for the right guys. So I, I, I thought he was okay, Wolf, but I think that they overall have to be much better at getting the clear points of improvement because I think that after two games of a postseason series, you can look at a team being in a position like this and say, man, like they, they can do this, this, and this like better, but how do they fix these things, like everything that the Suns are doing wrong right now is correctable. And a lot of that, most of the time, just has to fall on the coaching staff. Kellen Olsen, great stuff as always, man. Know you're busy. Thank you for the time. Thanks, Killer. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kellen. That's Kellen Olsen right there joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Again, you can read his uh, his story on last night's game focused on the uh, incredible performance by Devin Booker from about the second quarter on right now. It's, uh, it's the front of uh, ArizonaSports.com. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. And speaking of Devin Booker, when we come back, did he just save the series with his performance last night? Kind of felt like it. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Sun is down. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers. Now. I tried to show Yeah. I tried to show that was a fun one leaving Footprint Center last night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looked like you were going to start to sing along, Wolf, and then you didn't. I just did. I did that. Yeah. I like doing that. Is that that's you? My, that's my part right in, there. In the original version of the song, is that you yeah, making no, that No, it isn't, but that's my part. I could do that, I think. Like if we were in concert, I could do that. Yeah. We, we need to do a show at some point. One of the like July shows where there's not, where there's just baseball and it's the All Star break. Different potential careers for Wolf, and that's going to yeah, be one of them. Okay. I remember this list. That's great. Uh, when you voice talk about something, else, when you voice the guided imagery relaxation podcast a couple yeah. of weeks ago, yeah, that was a good one too. Uh, it was fun leaving the arena last night for the first uh, first playoff game in a while for Suns fans, and you. Look, it was a bunch of different guys that contributed, but one guy clearly contributed more than anybody because Devin Booker delivered a memorable performance, like the sort of game that we'll still be talking about three years from now. Hey, remember when Devin Booker dragged the Suns back in that series against the Clippers with 38 points and he just went off in the third quarter, one of the best quarters of his entire career at just the right time? Yeah. Uh, they needed it last night, Wolf. They had They had to have somebody do that and he did yeah he did he went off and that was so welcome that was such a great thing to actually see but he came out aggressive did he not he came out aggressive 
uh, in that first quarter. As a matter of fact, he was three of five, I believe, from um, from the field in that first quarter. And KD was actually two of six. The only one more aggressive looking for his shot was Kevin Durant, and we could have kind of expected that. Yeah, once KD again. scored twenty seconds in. It's almost to be like, you know what, we're going to let KD shoot tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah how about that? So the, the very first possession, get him the ball, get him the ball, and the Clippers were doing everything they could to deny KD from getting the ball. But, yeah, I I thought KD, um, after Book came out really aggressive, KD kind of took over, and then Book got going a little bit later in the second quarter, and he hit that three to end the half. And we've been talking about that a little bit. That was a big deal to me. It, it it was a big deal because the Suns were down after the first quarter, and they were down 13 in the second quarter to the Clippers, and they came back, of course, and suddenly it's tied up at the half, 59-59, because of D-Book hitting that three. I thought that was a still point moment of this game. Yeah, there was that one, and there was... Um Coming out of the half, and I think it put the Suns up six, where, he, where Booker jumped the route, intercepted the pass. I, he kind of bumped off of Eric Gordon, went down and dunked, and Gordon was frustrated. And it was just, yeah. to, to me, that was where it was like, okay, what you saw at the end of the first half didn't die at halftime. Like, it's going to continue here in the third quarter. And in fact, if you're if you're the Clippers, it's going to be even worse for you in the third quarter. And again, Devin Booker was the catalyst. I mean, you can't do it by yourself, and I don't think anybody wants to go through a playoff run where Devin Booker is doing it all by himself because we've seen this team when Devin Booker does it by himself, and it's not enough. It's not. It just isn't. But he doesn't have to do it by himself with this team. Last night, they needed somebody to do it, and he did. Yeah, and I also thought, too, you know, I always think about the other team. When you look at Book and he makes a great play like that, you know, yeah, it has an impact on your team. But I always think of the other team as well because I've been the other team much of the time and unfortunately lost many, many times. But looking at this, um, I thought that shot... Tying it up, going into the half, 59-59. Psychologically, I thought that was a damaging blow to the Clippers. And the reason why I say that is because, save for shooting percentage, because the Clippers didn't shoot very well in that first half, the Clippers, I thought, outplayed the Phoenix Suns in that first half. And I think, you know, they had, what, twice as many free throws? Yes. They out-rebounded. The Suns, as a matter of fact, they had an eight to do eight to two offensive rebounding edge on the Phoenix Suns. It was it was exactly like game one, basically all over again. Not being able to rebound the basketball. The Clippers were getting second chance points. And suddenly the the turnovers, the Suns had more turnovers at the half. It just everything was going the Clippers' way. And book sent that Sicilian message that I think said, hey, listen, the second second half is going to be a little bit different. All right, so here's Devin Booker on the three to end the first half. And I think how we finished out the second quarter overall, you know, outside of that shot, you know, was good momentum going into the third. And, you know, how we started the third quarter was big for us, too. Yeah, they, they asked about the start before you got in here. And, you know, we... We obviously wanted to get her off to a better start again and, and didn't, but we just let the game settle and went from there. And here's Kevin Durant on Booker's second half. Yeah, it was super aggressive. You know, like I said, they were switching up their defenses a lot and uh, trying to throw us off, but I thought he just didn't, they didn't care. He just was going downhill trying to create something for us. And 
you know, once they started, you know, we could throw it in the post to me. We started doubling now. He on that backside coming up and just making plays. So, uh, he's an all-around player. He could do everything at an elite level on a basketball court. So, we got to utilize that. Wolf, I would, I would even kind of at least throw this out there for discussion that people acted like Devin Booker had a bad first game. He yeah. didn't. He's got 64 points in the <laughs> first two games. Yeah. He was huge defensively in the first game. In a game that the Suns, looking back, probably shouldn't have won, and they didn't, but they were close, and they still had a chance. So it, it's not it's not like Booker was terrible in game one and then just flipped the switch yesterday. You could see this kind of building even from game one. But, but you know, <laughs> what he does last night, I was thinking about – um, you know, what you always say of there's only so much you can do as a coach, right? At a certain point, the players yeah, have to play. Right. Ty Lue was just adjusting. You could see it. You could see his mind and his team working every time the Suns did something in the second and third quarters of this game. They would just adjust, and it didn't matter because Devin Booker couldn't miss a shot. Yes. He just couldn't miss no. in the second half. No, I know. That third quarter, you know, I, it, it was amazing to watch him play because I had this feeling going in that Devin Booker was going to be legend. And I think we saw that legendary in that third quarter, what he did going seven of eight from the field, scoring 18 points. He came out and he was the superstar we all know him to be. He was the best player on the floor. Not not for the Phoenix Suns. He was the best player on the floor, period. And I think even Kawhi Leonard would tell you that at that point in time, in that third quarter, Devin Booker took over this game. There was the legendary that Kobe was talking about. 18 points going out, setting the tone, coming out of the tunnel after tying it up, going into the half. That was huge. It it was... It certainly looked like Devin Booker, and again, this is why I always think he's so relatable to Suns fans, because he was here through the dark times, right? But And he stuck around here. But it, it felt like Devin Booker had the reaction that everybody watching did of, all right, we're not doing this again. Like, this is getting ridiculous. We lost game one. That's fine. This is a good team. Now we're starting slow again in game two. It, are we really going to bow out in the first round? And I get it's one win. There's still a best of five sure. to be played here. But it looked like he just finally said, I'll just take this into my own hands. I'll, I'll just I'll make some ridiculous plays at the end of the first half, and then I will I will make sure we don't lose this game in the second half. You know what I love? The very first cut you played this beautiful part of the program in regard to Devin Booker, he was asked a question about that shot at the end of the first half. He was asked that question. What did he do? What did he say? I have it right he, here. Why don't you fire that off again? And I think how we finished out the second quarter overall, you know, outside of that shot, you know, it was good momentum going into the third. And, you know, how we started the third quarter was big for us, too. Yeah, they, they asked about the start before you got in here. And, you know, we we obviously wanted to get her off to a better start again and, and didn't. But we just let the game settle and went from there. Yeah, book. You know, when you hit that three to tie the game, 59-59, going in at the half. And you were down by 13 points. Remember that? That was... That was awesome. That was great to see you doing that. Devin Booker deflected that immediately. Yeah, I thought as a team we were playing. It's This is something that is so innate with him. It truly is. It's one of the reasons why I love and respect the guy, even though I've never met him. It's, it's because he always does this. He doesn't want you to praise him. He's going he's gonna to be his own worst critic, and he's going to praise his teammates. That is the model 
That is exactly why Devin Booker is the culture of the Phoenix Suns. It's one of the potentially best things about this team in their their playoff runs the last two years, maybe helping them out now. They didn't get too low after game one. They all know that's one of what they hope is 16 wins last night. So there's no point in having a parade up and down the street because they won one game. But it was a big win. Uh, when we come back, we'll get Eddie Johnson's perspective on this. He will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. All right, well, we are pleased, as always, to be joined by our next guest, Wolf, following a Suns victory, too, making it that much better. Eddie Johnson is on the Arizona Sports Line. Eddie, how's it going today? I'm doing well, and yourself? Doing, doing good, good, Eddie. Especially after that game What's last up, night. Wolf? What's up, man? Hey, where do you where do you start, brother, when you think of game two? Where do you start, Eddie Johnson? We lost Eddie. <laughs> That's where he starts. He's definitely Boy, such a great question, and he's just gone. Well, you know, I love that question. You know why I love that question? Because you know, hey, I can lead a guy somewhere, but why do you want to lead him? You start. You wanted to let him choose, just so he hung up on you. Where do you go right there when you think of game two, Eddie? Are you there? Oh no, no, he's not. <laughs> This is going to be the new theme of the show. That's, it's just Wolf saying, great. Eddie, are yes, you there? That was so good. All right, Eddie's there now. Yeah, Wolf, Wolf, I didn't like what you were saying. That's what I, <laughs> <laughs> I was giving you your the tone, option to start wherever you wanted. Your tone wasn't good enough for my ears. Oh, that was so, I know. I'm, I apologize for the voice. So I'll ask you, I'll ask you again, brother. You, you were very directive, you know, and intimidated <laughs> me. You intimidated people on the football field. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you start, brother, when you think of game two? Well, I, look, let, let's go back to game one. Okay. I, I try to really help people out. First, and you you know this, Will. You, you, you both of you guys, you've been watching playoff basketball last number of years at the Sun. No series is easy. You remember the Pelicans last year? Was that easy? I no. Know. Every playoff game is going to go down to the last few. Every 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 few minutes, every few minutes. Uh, I'm sorry, my mom can't interrupt me on that too much. Look, look, you got me. Then my mom just got me. <laughs> but I knew it was it had to be. My mom's done that yeah. to me my whole life. So, so no, basically, you saw how difficult it was with the Pelican series, and and so that's what you're gonna get. And so I wasn't shocked at all. I wasn't shocked at all about, you know, how tough it was going to be with the Clippers uh, at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, I wasn't shocked at all about, you know, how tough it was going to be. They got Kawhi Leonard on that team. <laughs> you know, they, they got Zubac. They got Westbrook. I mean, it's not going to be easy. And so in game one, let's look back. We should have won. We went up nine. Okay, all we need to do is just get some stops by getting rebounds. We didn't do it. Yeah. And Westbrook, who was 3 for 19, found a way to get offensive rebounds, and it helped their team win. They threw it out. Normally on offensive rebound, you scatter it. You throw it out, somebody's wide open. Okay, Kawhi Leonard, wide open, knocks down a three. Right? Eric Gordon, wide open, knocks down a three. Ball game. So every game's going to come down the last few minutes. 
Suns last night got down by 13. And again, pressing a little bit because you're at home and you want to win. The urgency of the game. But when they finally got themselves together, you saw how good this team is. They shot 60% from the field. Yeah. It's like, that's unheard of. You know, so the points and the shooting is going to be there more consistently than the Clippers. The Suns just have to rebound the ball. Did a much better job last night of rebounding the ball, and they got the win. Talking to Mike Westbrook having one of them, you know, them, them fallback games, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And so Kawhi's going to be Kawhi. But the bottom line is we just need to rebound the ball, man. Mm-hmm. Like, don't give them second and third chances. I, I've said this when they picked up Kevin Durant. If the Suns get more field goal attempts than the opponent, they're going to win. Because they're going to shoot a better percentage. Mm-hmm. And if they can keep them off the line, what got us in trouble last night, even though we rebounded, we put them on the line. They got 30-plus free throws. If they don't get all them free throws, we probably beat them by 20 quickly. And so that's how good this team is, but it's still growth. It's work in progress. But uh, I wasn't shocked by the response last night. It was a desperation game. You can't go to L.A. down 0-2. Uh, that puts you in a very deep hole. Eddie Johnson is joining us. Eddie, you uh, you played this game at the highest level. You were a shooter. What do you think when you see Devin Booker take over late second quarter and then throughout the entire third quarter in a game like that? Well, it, it's expected. I mean, we've seen it consistently since his career here in Phoenix. I'm not amazed or surprised by anything that he does. A lot of times, I think, you know, he gets a lot of attention, obviously. He's been he's well-respected around the league. But I think people still doubt him for some reason, for some insane reason. And all he does is give you 25 a game in the playoffs. All he does is show up in big games when you need him, for the most part. Everybody has their downfalls. But for the most part, you know he's going to be there. And what he's doing now on the defensive end, guys, is amazing. Like, he doesn't get credit for how good his defense has improved. Mm-hmm. And he has been unreal defensively in the first two games of the series. And it's going to continue because he's maniacal, man. That dude, he, <laughs> he wants to win. He knows this is, his, this is his best opportunity to win. And you can tell he's going to go out there with the energy that he needs. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I just don't think we appreciate him enough for the way that he is built in his soul inside. But I want to ask you about Chris Paul in particular right here, because Chris Paul in the last five minutes of this game, it seemed to be CP clutch all over again. This guy Mm -hmm. made some plays, scored some baskets, set up a a great pick and roll with D.A. This guy, I thought, Mm -hmm. asserted him himself and took over late in the game once again. Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I trust I trust his game uh, when he's in that mid-range it's just as much as anybody in the NBA. Game one, he missed some shots that he never misses. But everybody has that day. Everybody yep. has that where they don't make shots. You know, it's hard to put that orange ball in that hoop. You know, I think sometimes people get used to it and they think every time a guy shoots, it should go in. Trust me, I, I lived that in my basketball career. I heard the groans every time I would go up and miss a shot. I'm like, damn, I, I can't make every one of them. You know, but that's just the mentality. 
And that's the mentality with Chris in the mid-range. It's the mentality with Devin every time he goes up to shoot. It's the mentality with KD. When he goes up and shoot and he's free and clear, you expect him to make a bucket. And that's the pressure that they put on themselves because of how consistent they have been in their careers in making shots. But the way Chris dissected that two-man game last night and that drop coverage that they run, he ate it up. I mean, when they when that when the big guy came up to try to take it away, he hit DeAndre right there for a drive to the hoop late in the game. He hit him early for little short jumpers when they were backing off. So Chris is the one is the best in the league at operating that two man game. Devin is really getting good at it. He had what four assists last night, I think, in the fourth quarter, something like that. So and KD is excellent at passing the ball. So that's what you have. You have three guys that are willing passers and know how to pass the ball, and that just makes them a dangerous team. That's why they ran up 123 points yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just wasn't easy against that uh, Ty Lue changing of the defenses every possession. Eddie Johnson's joining us. Uh, Eddie, they, they seem like, at least in game one, they were still trying to figure out who they could lean on off the bench. Uh, three guys play double double figures off the bench. Who, who do you like coming off the bench in these games now that it's the playoffs? You know, I don't think any of them has gotten a chance yet. And it's no fault of anybody but the starters. Yeah. Because the starters have gotten behind early in games. And when the starters get behind early in games, trust me, guys, I was a guy that started early in my career, first six, seven years, and I came off the bench the rest of my career. And, you know, you depend a lot on the starters when you come off the bench. What do you depend on them for? Get your lead. Like, or be close in the game. Don't make the climb up the hill tougher when I come in and I've been sitting over there and I'm cold. So the last two games, we've gotten behind. And because of that, the rotations has changed because of the urgency of the moment. Like, you don't want to go to L.A. down 0-2. So Monty went quickly back to his starters. And so because of that, the bench doesn't get quality minutes. They don't get good reps. And so they're not going to be really on top of their game. Like, T.J. Warren checked in, and Monty put him in because he said, okay, T.J. can come in there, and he can really get us going with his offense, and he can help us. Well, when T.J. came in, the lead kind of ballooned to about 13, and he had to take him out. Mm-hmm. So I think on the road, if the Suns can get control of the game early and get a lead, then I think you'll see the bench play more meaningful minutes. So that's just the way it is. And as a bench player, you understand that and you know it. And the bottom line, again, guys, you've got to get the W. Don't matter how many minutes you play, don't matter how many shots you miss, Russell Westbrook epitomized that in game one. He was, what, 3-19, and he, and he was the guy that helped them win. Mm-hmm. So that's the mentality that the Suns have to have. Eddie, we appreciate the time Thank as you, always, Eddie. man. Thank you. All right, guys. No problem. I'll go back to mom now. Yeah, I was going to say, let mom know. We said hello, okay? Yeah, 94 years old. Oh. Nice. Eddie, that's awesome, man. Yeah. God bless you and your family, bro. Hold on. Look, look. Not you saying hi. Say hi again, mom. Hi. <laughs> What's up, mom? Hi, mom. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, Eddie. Thank, Thank you, bro. Thanks, Eddie. That's uh, it's Eddie Johnson. And, wow, 94 years old, yeah, Eddie that's Johnson. That's fantastic mom. right there. <laughs> Joining us right there on the she Arizona Sports Night. That was great. <laughs> He's like, nope, we're doing radio. That was awesome. That was awesome. All right, uh, when we come back, Monty Williams took the heat in game one. So shouldn't he be getting some compliments for the adjustments he made in game two? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.